Hi, welcome to the Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. We are your hosts. I am Ian, a surgeon. I'm Zichin, a gastroenterologist. We're both practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are an Apple and Spotify podcast. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. And today, we are on episode number 11. And we are talking about pancreas cancer. Yeah, pancreas has always been an organ, I think... Whether this term is correct or not, being neglect or, or it's something very difficult to reach and not many people actually know what is pancreas. Yeah, I mean, compared to other organs, you know, compared to liver, stomach, people out there, the public tend to know more about stomach, liver and other organs rather than pancreas. Yeah, but that's what I find, you know. Really? Uh, I'm not sure about that because if the patient has diabetes, I'm sure they know about the pancreas, right? Sort well, of. never mind. Let okay. us educate the public then. Yeah. All right. So that's the role of us here. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay, so pancreas cancer, like we said, it's not as common. Looking at global census, it's actually number 12 on the cancer list. But it does have actually quite high incidence of mortality or death, which we'll talk about later. It's actually number seven on the list. Some famous people, people probably can associate pancreas cancer is Steve Jobs of Apple. And uh, of course, the famous actor Patrick Swayze. Yeah, I think since Steve Jobs was diagnosed and passed on with uh, pancreatic cancer, although we do not know the exact type of pancreatic yep. cancer that he has, yep. it sort of raised some awareness and people actually know about that. For a about while. pancreas for a while. I, but I think it has that effect now, you know. I have personally, I have patients who come when they have pancreas problem and the person that they bring up is actually Steve Jobs. Already? Oh, yeah. Okay. Nobody so asked me that. it's very interesting, right? No, nobody asked so, me that. <laughs> so I think, yeah, again, I think that may be because of the social media and all as well, yep. right? Yeah. Okay, so... We want to tell us a little bit about pancreas, where it is, what are the functions. Okay, pancreas is basically one of the organs within the tummy area. Um, It just sits behind part of the stomach and part of the large intestine. So its function, we actually say it's of two. Uh, Excuse the medical terminology a bit, but I'll explain a little bit later. Exocrine and endocrino. Um, Exocrine is basically what it produces to help digest with food, right? Enzymes, what we call it. And endocrine is basically hormonal, hormones, um, specifically to control our blood sugar, right? So it's mainly these two functions. Yeah, I think pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Although it sounds straightforward, but it's actually quite a very delicate and complex organ as well because um, it surrounds by very, very vital organs, right? Yep. Well, there are many problems that we can encounter with pancreas, right? Right from inflammations and up to cancer, right? But today we're going to zoom in onto cancer. pancreatic cancer. Yep. Okay. We all know that pancreas cancer is actually not very common. So let's have some figures here. So the lifetime risk for the general population, that means in your whole life, the risk of you getting diagnosed with a pancreatic cancer is only about 1.3%, mm. right? Yep. And of course, those with high-risk group, the high-risk populations, and we will further elaborate what are the high-risk, yep. um, their yep. lifetime risk is about more than 5%. Mm. Given that, and also given the nature of how it presents, right? 
Many a times when it is being diagnosed and it's being picked up, many a times it's at a very late stage, right? Yeah, it's a very insidious disease. It doesn't really have symptoms very early on. And I think, I guess, depending on uh, what kind of patient the person may be, they may pick it up a little bit later. I think given the Asian population, well, not to name any races because I'm Chinese, but so I, I, I guess I can say that. But I think especially the Chinese, we tend to hold it off for another day. You just try to save it. You don't want to spend the money to go and see a doctor. At least I was brought up that way. So a lot of times, you know, they have this, you know, little, little symptoms, you know, nagging and people just decide, you know, that maybe it's something small and they try to put it off for another day and it ends up, a lot yeah. of times it ends up being actually uh, cancer, not in a specific pancreatic cancer, but cancer. And so I think symptoms for pancreatic cancer, like you were mentioning, is, are not very Many specific. Many times in the early stage, there isn't any symptoms. Yeah, there aren't any okay. symptoms or it's not very specific. They're very subtle. Yeah. Very subtle. Yeah. Probably just some loss of weight, loss of appetite. If at all that is. Uh, right? If at all that and is, or sometimes just bloating and they might mistakenly think they have IBS. Or they may mistaken it as a stomach problem, a gastritis, or, or often, often, often that's been misinterpreted. Yeah, right? yeah. so uh, PSA, you know, try not to self-treat <laughs> too much. Yeah, I think I think given a short period of time of you observing yourself and that's self-treat, fine. but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah, but anything uh, longer than a certain duration and, and if you're not comfortable and if persist, right, it is time to seek some advice and some investigation to be done. Yeah, so that's the early stages. I'm just going to touch a bit more when they come to the later stages because people might ask. So sometimes people do actually come with pain, but a lot of times, because the pancreas actually divided into a few parts, which we didn't talk about, but a lot of times when you talk about pancreas cancer, it appears in the head of the pancreas. And what happens with a lot of these patients, they actually come in looking yellow. That's usually the chief complaint. Uh, yellow and like we mentioned earlier on, a bit of loss of appetite and loss of weight. That's usually quite suspicious for pancreatic cancer. And many a times, even at that stage, they would not experience any pain. Yep, yep. So right. someone will have told them, you look a little bit off color and you know they, they realize and they go and check. That's usually what happens. That's what that's the bulk of patients I get anyway. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the bulk of patients that we're seeing as well. Um, but well, okay. When they present in that at that stage, yeah, what else can we offer? How are we going to know? And how are we going to diagnose that this patient is actually having pancreatic cancer? So we're going to just do some blood tests. Yeah. What are the investigations that we can do? So well, I think a lot of times when we start off, we obviously, you know, check the history, ask for risk factors, we check the patient, we you know, feel the tummy, and then we go into blood investigations. We check a little bit of blood, and usually we will see an increase in bilirubin, which is what that causes them to be yellow, bilirubin or bile or gall, right? That's because this is obstruction, and it goes into the bloodstream. Other than that, actually, we don't really look at other... I mean, people do practice taking two markers. I don't at the initial stage because it doesn't really give me a clear picture. But I think what gives me the clearest is of course a CT scan. So the CT scan will basically scan the whole tummy and look and see what is the cause of the obstruction. Uh, Sometimes it can be something not so dangerous like stone but unfortunately sometimes it is actually a tumour, a growth and it's actually blocking the bowel duct. Yeah, Yeah. I think think that's the general concept. But you mentioned about tumour markers, right? 
Um, I see a lot of tumor markers being sent mm. as part of the health screen or yeah. uh, even you, medical checkup. Are you going to tell us what you think about that? <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the concept has to be right. I mean, you know, if not, what are we addressing? At you know, we see a lot of um, this uh, mild derangement of tumor markers, and it causes a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and and it leads to a lot of. Um, we may over-investigate you know, yep. in, in that instance. And many a times, they are not significant because they don't act as a modality for diagnosis. Yeah, right? I, I think, you know, like we mentioned, I mean, we were discussing earlier before this, is that Malaysia doesn't really actually have specific guidelines for screening, right? So I think if you are a general practitioner and you basically want to do a full screen, I think a lot of them use this because they don't know any other ways to screen for cancers, right? And there's so many cancers to screen for. Yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult question. Exactly. <laughs> it's a very difficult so, question to answer. Every tumor marker is different. But just yeah. let, let's come down to, to pancreatic cancer. You know, the common ones that people will send and relate to pancreatic cancer is what we call a CA19.9, yep. right? So that's never a diagnostic marker. Even yeah. though that's being sent, is only as a marker for surveillance, meaning that if someone would have had diagnosed with a pancreatic cancer, and even if it's to be used as a marker um, for a follow-up, yeah, yeah, that's if and it's raised. If patient respond, if it's raised again, yeah, it's some not cancer patient, some pancreatic cancer patients actually might not have raised markers. Yes, right? so so hence it is not sensitive, not specific. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we do not encourage this sort of screening. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Since we are on the topic of screening, yeah, yes. there are there are certain populations that's being advised advised to screen, and this is actually a very new uh, recommendation that was actually came up last year. But not in Malaysia, right? It's not practiced in Malaysia yet. I think not only Malaysia. I think worldwide. Okay. Not many places are practicing because it's new, and the modality of screening um has not been established. Okay. Perfectly, right? Yep. So, of course, who are the high-risk patients, as we mentioned earlier? Yep. So, if you have, um, you're 50 years old okay. and above, mm -hmm. and you have two or more first-degree relative. First-degree mm -hmm. relative meaning your immediate family. Okay? Sister, brother. Your sister, your brother, your parents. Parents. Right? Children. Two or more yeah. of them being diagnosed to have pancreatic cancer. Yeah, you're deemed high-risk. And you should speak to your practitioner, the doctors, to discuss about modality of screening. Okay, and so I have a problem with that because a lot of my patients don't have any family members with pancreatic cancer. That's why it is so rare, <laughs> right? We should, I think we should, uh, I have not actually personally not met a single patient who has had family history of two or more pancreatic cancer. Exactly. One, yes. Yeah, I have, old, I I have mean, come have, across. But it, even that, it's not that common. It's not, it's not. So henceforth, you know, screening is really not there at yeah. the moment. Well, yeah. five, ten years down the road, I'm not sure. But yeah. at the moment, personally, yeah, like I said earlier, I've not encountered okay. anyone with two or more. So there are risk factors to pancreatic cancer. Uh, they're quite general uh, things. Actually, basically anything that can cause inflammation or damage to the pancreas in the long term or long run, uh, not just a one-off, but 
probably a multiple concurrent kind of uh, damage to the pancreas can actually cause cancer because we know we know that most cancers are caused by that kind of mechanism, right? So specific pancreatic cancer, things like heavy consumption of alcohol, smoking, which is pretty much risk factor for every type of cancer. Someone, actually, I mean, diabetes actually a factor, but I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the exact figures how many of the population exactly have pancreatic cancer with diabetes. Any kind of stone within the pancreas itself can cause pancreatic cancer. Uh, and I guess there are many more other types of inflammation. So can I summarize saying that um, any of the inflammations, chronic exposure, chronic insult to the pancreas, it is a predisposing factor. Yeah, which is pretty wide actually. So again, it's hard to screen, right? I mean, can't be telling every diabetic patient to have a screen for the pancreas to which, I mean, the best way to screen at this moment because we don't have any proper blood investigation that yeah, can screen. Yeah, we don't. It's still imaging. So we don't screen them. You exactly. Know? We don't. We don't. So that's the that's the dilemma, right? Yeah. I guess when it comes to pancreatic cancer, a, a regular ultrasound can't show you the whole pancreas. Pancreas can be very well visualized only with CT scan or an MRI, right? So and the problem with doing any of this is is cost and the unnecessary radiation. So if you do a, if a patient does a CT scan and picks up something, then all is good. But if they don't, how often do you do it and whatnot? So I guess I'm just putting that out because that's the dilemma of catching pancreatic cancer early. Yeah, the screening, the benefit and the risk. The risk probably outweighs the benefit in this instance, right? Yeah. Hence, therefore that I mentioned earlier, we are very, very, very particular and specific on who that you wanted to follow up probably yeah the family members so one is about family members um uh, first degree relatives as being involved at least two and two or more of them something that's really coming in the pipeline that's really really um uh, being discussed uh quite a bit lately uh, is about gene mutations yeah. So we talk about BRCA1, BRCA1, 2, yeah. All these are breast cancer related gene. In the US, probably I would just mention that because they are very advanced and they are the leading ones. They have started doing this kind of gene mutation, right? And I'm sure you heard about all these. Yeah, there are plenty actually plenty. out there. Yeah, there are actually and plenty. Yeah, but it's definitely, at the moment, it's not available here. Yeah. But there's something to know. I think it's knowledge, you know, that some we, we should have and we should... Yeah, I think we're still a long way off, actually. I mean, a lot of these genes, they are only a small percentage of pancreatic cancers. There's so many, right? There's so B-Raf, many. But it's Braca, association. KRAS. So yeah, so there are so many. There's so many mutations, yeah. right? Your PALB2 that's related to ovarian yeah. cancer, things like that, yeah. which is what people have been doing abroad. Mm. But it's not here. I mean, putting this out here doesn't mean that we encourage and, yeah. and we, we ask you to do the genetic testing or mutation testing. But it is something to take note. Yeah, it's some, something to take note. Yeah. And but- again, you know, it is still your family history at the moment that's, that carries the most weight here. Yeah. So I think enough on screening investigations. We've gone quite a bit on that. I think essentially for pancreatic cancer, uh, whether it's early or it's late, of course, the earlier it's treated, the better prognosis or outcome it has. 
just to quote general statistics, even if it says it is early pancreatic cancer, the five-year survival rate is quite dismal. It doesn't even hit 50%. No, it's way lower, right? It Depending doesn't. on it's, what it's, stage. I think, no, I I'm think about it's early. about early, early, early. Probably 40 Yes, yeah. doesn't hit 50%. It's about 40%. It's about 40%. Uh, if it's advanced, it's I think not even it doesn't go. I think it's like five percent. Yeah, it's five. Yeah, if it's if it's Never a little bit 10, more advanced, it's, it's like about twenty percent. So it's not great. I'll be very honest to say I think a lot of patients, if they survive past two years, it's great. If you hit five years, it's really a gift. I think it's a miracle. Uh, it's oh. a gift. <laughs> yeah. So, but still, I I would encourage because you know people probably ask you know then why treat. Right, because if no treatment, uh, we're talking about months, uh, even sometimes even less. It can go down quite fast. And what is the treatment? The mainstay treatment for now for all pancreatic cancers are it's still surgery, still surgery, coupled with chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Uh, we haven't found the holy grail to treatment. We have improved a little bit of numbers, but not dramatically. Like I would say, how we've seen in maybe colorectal or breast cancer, but. Yeah, it, it's surgery. It's actually quite a big surgery. This one, probably, I'll leave you guys to look it up yourself. Uh, you can yeah, look at it. Yeah, but again, it's not everyone is suitable for surgery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, 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 it is. So, um, as I said earlier, better. That's one. Uh, if it's a little bit too advanced, then advanced meaning it's at a spread. Or if it's stuck to some vital organs that we cannot resect, then those are not deemed suitable and of course third of all if the patient can withstand the surgery to begin with right but yeah I can go Google it up it's uh, called Whipple's procedure W-H-I-P-P-L-E this is for head of pancreas cancers or we also call it pancreaticoduodenectomy remove the pancreas and duodenum that's a big word yeah it's a big, a big word uh, just putting it out there just in case people want to look it up but if you look Whipple up you probably can get the answer. Yep. I think we have shared quite a bit. It's it's a difficult topic. Yeah. But, uh, I think that it is difficult because it is not common. Okay. Um, but I think it is something that uh, we should put forward and to make people aware uh, that this thing is there. Right. So I think uh, with that, we'd like to end today's session. Do email us at prescriptionpod, P-R-E-S-C-R-I-P-T-I-O-N-P-O-D at gmail.com. Yeah. With that, I thank you for listening in. Yep. Thank you for all your suggestions through the email. We take note. We thank you for listening. We'll see you the next episode. Bye. Bye-bye.